Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, familiar story in the Bible. As a kid, Samson is just, uh, I suppose, not so much girls, but boys, um, you just love Samson when you're a child. You just, you know, that guy, he's so strong, and he just he just does amazing things with this, this literally supernatural strength, right, that he was given from the Lord, and the, the Spirit of God would come upon him, and he'd have this strength that was just uh, immeasurable, what, what Samson could do. And when I was a kid, I just, I mean, how does Samson not become one of your favorite characters along with David? But just Samson, there's something about it. You know, he's just, he's that guy that just super strong and, and as you get older and, and, and the Bible stories, you become, you become more familiar with the kind of the whole story, right? And you, uh, so you're, you're not quite as enamored with Samson as you were as a child when you were thinking about this big, strong guy that was doing all these miraculous things with his power and might and just defeating the enemy. And, and so he becomes a hero. Uh, at least when I was a boy, I just thought Samson was the coolest. And I, uh, as you know, the story went south many times, so to speak, in the life of Samson. Let's read a little bit about the life of this man. I'm in Judges chapter 13 and verse number 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zoar of the family of the Danites, of course, one of the tribes, uh, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. Something that we find in the scriptures uh, when, honestly, when somebody of oh, a little more noteworthiness in the scriptures is going to be born, it's often that they're, they come from a barren woman. And uh, as we know, some special people came from women who just uh, struggled to have children for many years. And such was the case with the wife of Manoah. And was barren and bare not, verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or strong drink, and eat not anything unclean, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. If you shoot over to verse number 14 of chapter 13, verse, I'm sorry, uh, chapter number 14, verse number 3. Chapter 14, verse 3, Then the father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me. She pleaseth me well. He has gone down to Timnath, and he's seen a woman there that he desires, and he comes back, and he's just very demanding and literally commanding of, his, of this woman that get her for me. Mom and daddy do what mom and dads would always do, and that's try to discourage him because here he is. He's a Jewish boy. He has a Nazarite vow, which obviously is something that is, is very, very special from the Lord to be separated unto the Lord, so to speak, as a Nazarite vow. And then for him to go down to a strange town in the land of the Philistines 
and of course, it, no Jew should go take a Philistine wife. They should stay within their own people. It's, it's very similar to us encouraging and, and just desiring with all our hearts that our children marry a Christian, and of course, not somebody that was, was unsaved. And so he just desires this woman, of course, and he just is very demanding about get her for me. And just we just see an attitude that is developed in this at this point young man's life. Uh, chapter 16 and verse 18, another page over perhaps in your Bible. Zooming by much of the history here of, of just his constant disappointment in his behavior doing some miraculous things, of course, but it just personal behavior, uh, honestly, just deplorable. Verse 18, and when Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, he sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. So Delilah, of course, he has fallen for this woman. She's made a deal with the Philistines that she's gonna bring them in and they're gonna set him up and try to try to bring him down, right? and destroy him uh let's see uh i'm in the middle of the verse come up this once for he has shown me all his heart then the lords of the philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hands so they're going to pay her verse 19 and she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head she began to afflict him and his strength went from him and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he was not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison. Here he is, eyes poked out, and he's at the wheel grinding in the prison. We know, of course, his, his end was he, hair grew back and he found strength again and they brought him to the place where they had a, obviously a big party and he broke down the pillars of, the pillars that were holding up the structure and I believe killed 3,000 in the process. So he killed more in his death than he did in his life. A man that was unbelievably, in our vernacular, let's just face it, unbelievably blessed by God with great strength. He was um, the judge of Israel, I believe for 20 or 23 years he was the judge of Israel. During that span of time, honestly, Israel did have peace because the Philistines were constantly um, trying to catch Samson or try to deal with what Samson was doing and just all variety of things that he was uh, doing to make life very difficult for the Philistines. As a result of that, uh, Israel was at peace. They spent, seemingly spent all their time trying to track down or stop Samson, and so they were constantly busy with Samson over the course of this span of time, which brought peace to the land of Israel. A very odd story in that we see God using somebody that is just really living a life that is just a wicked life. However, God still is using him to accomplish his will for the nation through this man, even though he's a man that's certainly not somebody we would ever want our children or anybody to exemplify in their life. 
I can't think of too many strong things about Samson that I would recommend to somebody. He was just a very worldly man and just feeding his own desires at every turn. A lot of bad choices in his life. We understand that God was using him for as he will. The Bible does say this. The Lord says this, that God will use it. God uses whom he will. And sometimes that phrase is a little confusing to us because we, we certainly want to be qualified to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us, in, in capacity that he can use us in. But God at times will just choose and, and use people whom he will, so to speak. Such was the case with Samson. Even, even in the early the beginning, when we see the beginning of the book, when he is telling his parents, get this woman for me, the phrase says this, they knew not that it was of the Lord. It seems everything different than what the Lord would ever have said to do, but God was preparing and using this man in such a unique way to protect his people of Israel in a different way than any other, any other person. Everybody's always different. So we have in this man, we have a great accomplishment in some sense that he brought peace to the nation of Israel because of the way he behaved. But at the same time, we find a man that we would also used as an illustration of young people don't follow after such things as this man did. Families don't, don't ever think that because there seems to be an exception in the word of God regarding this man that God used, don't believe for a moment that you're going to live this kind of a life and believe that God is going to bless you. We see a lot of variety of things in the Old Testament that when we come to the New Testament, we have the, the New Testament covenant that we have in and what we have in Christ and the call that God has upon us to live righteously before our God. None of us accomplish that, honestly. But is that our goal, is that we want to live for the Lord and live a life that would be pleasing and a life that would be righteous. We don't live it in perfection, but we see this man making just bad decision after bad decision, which, of course, eventually led him down a road to his demise and then his death. There's a lot of decisions in life that we make as families. And I'm just using this man as just somebody that just made a lot of bad decisions, even though God was using him. He was making a lot of bad decisions. And as I said before, don't think for a moment that we're going to make these kind of bad decisions in our lives and that God is going to bless our families and making just decisions that are poor. As Christians... I would uh, admonish us tonight to be careful about our decisions that we make in life, decisions that we make. We look at this man and we just see bad decision after bad decision. And sometimes even in the lives of Christians, we find that there's just decisions that we make in life. And all of us would attest to the fact that we made that bad decisions in life and that we made mistakes in life in relationships, sometimes financial decisions or maybe um, a purchase that we made that that we wish we had not made. And just we can look back across, especially at my age, look back across and see how God has blessed us in amazing ways. But I also see how, you know, there was a lot of mistakes that we made along the way. I don't know of any family in the church that I'm addressing tonight, and that's the, that's the honest truth. I'm not, I, I know of no situation. I just do know that there are always situations and problems in families, not, not all families, but there are things that arise 
as a result of bad decisions. Ladies, in some sense, you're the temperature of the home. That, that can be changed. You may have a husband that, that is difficult. And again, I don't know of any such situation. But you're kind of the temperature. You're, you're the, the moderator of the home in some sense. Traditionally, ladies are a little more emotional than men. Not always. But sometimes that's the case. Generally it is, but not always. But ladies, you're somewhat of the moderator of the home. I would tell you this, from husbands and wives, all of us desire to have a happy home for our children. Amen? We want that for our kids. We want that for our families. Let's be, let's be parents that create that environment that where there is a great atmosphere in our homes. I will tell you the thing that I believe is so important is that if your kids love the home they're growing up in, they're going to want to create that situation for themselves in the future. They're going to want to duplicate that. They're going to want to have the kind of home that they grew up in because they, they enjoyed the home they were in, and so they'll look to, to be like their parents. We look at our children and lose our children across the board just at such a high rate. It's, it's, I don't even want to mention it. It's, it's, and I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about Christianity. Honestly, it's been always been over 60% of our children go another path. It just seems to stand at that rises some, but we don't hardly get below that number, it doesn't seem. And I want so much for our children to follow in the path that, that you folks are, are laying down for them. But I would tell you in your homes, and I'm not trying to come into your homes, I, as far as I know, all your homes are, are great places. But I would tell you, have a home that's peaceable, home that's filled with joy. Make it that place where your children enjoy growing up in your home, enjoy being with mom, enjoy being with dad, and where they, they want to be like mom and dad. I think if we're, we're raising our children, not always by any means, every, every situation is different, but sometimes I think we're losing their children because they don't want to be like the home they grew up in. And so perhaps we're losing some percentage just because they want to go a different direction, even in relationship to the atmosphere that's in their home. When I see this couple, they have a young man that is just literally out of control. And you can imagine how their hearts were broken almost instantly as he says, go get me this woman. It's just, it's clearly the wrong woman for him to marry. Again, they don't know what God is going to do with him. But as best they can see, this is just the wrong path for their child. And you know, 99, 199 out of 1,000, it is the wrong path. Don't think for a moment that this path is the right path. It is the path that somehow God planned to use this man in such a way. But let's just face it, at the end of the day, he's got his eyes plucked out, and he's like an animal that is just grinding at the mill until he takes his own life. Of course, kills, kills many on the way out of well, let's just face it, it's not a life that we would want for our children. Somebody that's just constantly in disobedience to the Lord, constantly doing those things which, which we would never want our children to do. Husbands, 
you're primarily the decision maker and making good decisions is so important for your family. Wives, your husbands want to please you. We just do. We want you to be happy. Why don't we want to please you? Stay with in the context of what you desire within what your, what your husband can do. Again, I don't know of any situation. I'm, I'm literally, I don't know of anybody like that. I'm just keep keep your desires and your wants within what is affordable for for your husband to do, because he's going to want to please you. He's going to want to get you what you like. He's going to want to buy the things that you desire. And so, ladies, be careful about things that you desire that is going to be very difficult maybe for your husband to afford. He may, he may go out and buy it on credit and get it for you. But be easily pleased. Be easily, easily pleased. Likewise, wives and husbands, make that a quality. Be pleasing to one another pleasing to one another. Husbands, don't go out and buy things that the family can't afford. You're the man of the home. But be careful about our purchases that we put our family and ourselves in financial struggles because we're spending more than what than what's, should be spent. And we put our family in a bind. Let's, let's both, both ends of that be careful. We see a man here that just was absolutely radical in every way and ended up very very poor condition we can go to the bible and we can find great men of faith that led their families and how god was able to bless them husbands be leaders in the home it's not always this way but if you're able to if you're able to handle the finances not, not every guy is great with finances. It's just, and if you know that the wife is, is better handling the money, then don't, don't worry about that. Let her handle the money if she's more efficient with it. But if she's not, you know, you need to step up or if you just need to handle the finances of the family. It's not a war zone, but it's also a, a big point of contention if you're, if, 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 you're, if you're getting out of control financially. And so it causes, it causes a rift between you, even, even if it's not even spoken, it's, it's an underlying rift because there's stress there financially because of overspending. Husbands, lead your home. Be careful about making bad decisions. Bad decisions have bad outcomes. That's rocket science, isn't it? Bad decisions have bad outcomes. Now I will give you a clue. You're going to make some. But try to make it just once. I don't mean one bad decision in a whole married life, but don't make the same bad decisions over and over again. If you make one, you realize it. Get yourself bailed out from that one and then move on. Don't do that one again. It's, it's, it's quite striking. It's, it seems as if sometimes people get in a rut and they, they seemingly make the same bad decisions sometimes repetitively. And it just, it's just a cycle that keeps them struggling in maybe many different ways. And if, if you recognize that you've made a mistake, that's, it doesn't represent a crisis. That represents the fact that you're normal and you made a mistake. 
whatever that takes to, to, to correct that, to fix that. Maybe it doesn't require anything. Maybe it just requires I don't do this again. But don't, don't make same mistakes over and over again. And I will tell you that is a common thing that happens. People that struggle in certain areas, sometimes they struggle just year in and year out in the same areas, and they just can't seem to get out of the rut of the same struggle over and over again in their life. And it's, it's, it could be solved, but you're going to have to just make it once, maybe make it twice, but don't make the same mistakes over and over again. That is going to cause your family to be stressed. It's very difficult for husbands and wives to be stressed in the family. It's hard to have a home that's enjoyable. And even, even in some sense, it takes the godliness out of your home because there's stress between perhaps the two of you. Come together and perhaps make decisions if that's the best way for you, but find out what that best way is where both of you can, can find a place where you're content. Wives, don't, don't push the husbands too far financially. Husbands, don't push yourselves too far financially. Stay within what you can afford. In most cases, you're going to have a few years where things will be tight, and that's because you have children, and they constantly need clothes and food, and it's just a lot of expense going out the door. That will last for a span of time, and it seems like a long time when you're young, that your children are in the house. It seems like a long span, and then it's not. They're going to college, and it's your last one. And all of a sudden, that span that seemed like a long span of time, and the years where we have children in our home, and then they're not, they're gone. Couples, as much as I miss my children in my home, it still gives you some latitude for those things that you had to kind of tighten your belt on for many years. It will enable you to do some of the things you wanted to do when you're able to do it. You follow that? Those days of being able to do some things that you can't afford to do now, those days will come later when you don't have so many expenses coming at you. And it's just endless. It just never stops. It's, it's dentists and doctors and pants and food and new dresses and Easter and banquets. And it's just a never-ending domino of things that you want your children to be involved with, you want them to have, but it really does suck the wind out of your finances. And all of us know that's not a complaint. That's just the way it is. But don't push yourself during those years. Allow yourself to get through those child years and have the extra finances that maybe allow you to do the things that you would like to do earlier in life that you can now go and do and enjoy and you don't have the kids bugging you either not that they're bugging you Tyler I know they're not Tyler's smiling at me back there but you 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 have those freedoms later on it seems like a long way down the road and then it, and then it's not they're gone and they're great years and then the years that follow can be great years for you and your wife to go forward and 
enjoy some things that maybe you wanted to do earlier in life. Godly good decisions will bring godly good results. Godly decisions will bring godly results. Bad decisions and decisions that are sometimes even things that are, when I say sinful, just things that may, maybe we desire or we would say lust after that are really not things that we need, but things that we desire. And I don't know if I would go so far as to call that sin, but if you're buying things that you can't afford, that's a real borderline situation there because you're, you're following the flesh and doing things that take you beyond what you can afford. So be careful about just spending on things that are not necessary when you can't afford it. Your flesh will take you down the same road over and over again if you're not careful. Sometimes you'll get it and you'll just keep making the same mistakes and your flesh will keep leading you down the same road thinking that somehow the same basic decision is going to have a different outcome. And it generally doesn't. We're, we are kind of eternal optimists when it comes to um, repeating the same mistakes. We think, well, I'm not going to do this again. I, I won't, I, that, that won't happen this time, right? Well, it happens the same way it happened the other time. It's just the nature of life. The same mistakes come out with the same results. Repent, not in the sense of sin, but re repent of those things and say to yourself, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to take a different road. I'm going to take a different path. I was uh, just an illustration from the old days. But you have to be a bit, well, not a little bit, but boy, there's things you've got to be careful with. And uh, when you drive in a semi, there's something you've got to be careful with. And I look across the balcony, you know. If it's a bridge, it's going to say 13-something on it probably. You guys that drive buses, you know what I mean? You, you look for that number to see what, what that looks like, that bridge. And you're running with 13-6. 13 feet, feet, 6 inches. It's amazing to me, Bob. I don't know if you see this in Cedar Rapids months or not, but in Chicago, there's quite a few 13 twos. And it's real often you see a, a semi stuck under a 13 two. Now, you know what? That may happen to you, but you don't want to do it twice. You're probably looking for new employment if you put a 13.6 stuck under a 13.2. Learn from the mistakes. You can make them. Some you can make one time and they hurt you. But if you keep making those same mistakes, they can kill you. You can lose a lot by making the same mistakes over and over again. Husbands and wives, be faithful to one another. Be faithful. Guys, ladies, I was uh, preparing for Sunday school and I looked up some, some statistics in regard to the Sunday school lesson. Um, there's a magazine called Christianity Today and I really don't know exactly who produces it, but they do surveys, okay? And I don't know, I don't know what the dynamic is but it's always, in other words, their surveys are Christian, 
Christian people that they're asking in their surveys. The amount of adultery that is going on is staggering. The amount of pornography that's going on is staggering. I won't even tell you the numbers tonight because it's so disturbing that the Christian world, I will tell you this, it's significantly over 50% of men and like 40% of women that are addicted to things that they're watching online. I never, I never dreamed it was that, that way with women as well. Our world is really turned. Couples be very, very careful. Satan so desires to destroy you. Be very careful with your eyes. Not only with that, but another number that I saw that again was staggering. I just, I just would have never dreamed. 64% of men, Christians, say they would have an affair if they didn't think they would get caught. But it was like 58% of women said the same thing. I was, again, I, I, I just could hardly digest that it was that way now in our country. We're not talking about just citizens. We're talking about people that claim to be Christians. I don't know if that's all the nominations in the package. I don't know where that all went. But you get the point. We're not talking about people that don't claim to be in Christ or at least go to a Christian church. I don't know if that includes, you know, the Methodists, Lutherans, the Catholics, all those. I don't know if it does or not, but you get the point. We, we are no longer rising above these things. I certainly don't want to be inappropriate at all tonight, but you, you understand why I'm bringing some of these things to the forefront. I, I had no idea it's this serious. Let's be very, very careful. This, this is very widespread. Men, ladies, it's, it's on our laptops. I mean, the availability is on our laptops. It's in our phones. It's just everywhere. And so be, be so careful. Um, men and women, be very, very open with each other. Make sure all the passwords and everything to everything you have is known. I, I would, you know, sometimes I just want to say to the deacons, here's, here's passwords to everything. Just go in my office anytime you want and look at it. Because I just... It's just, Tyler, you probably deal with it in law enforcement. Just so much debauchery that's going on that we would be shocked at. But Christians, let's be very, very careful. I'm not, I don't know of anything, I'm seriously, I don't know of anything like that going on. I just know there's a lot of people here. And let's be very, very vigilant, men and women. Satan is a roaring lion and he is really accomplishing far more in the Christian community than I would have ever dreamed of. So it's not always just looking at everybody else and saying this is happening, all this is going on in our world. It's going on in churches too. We've seen pastors fall and it's, it's um, way more common than what we would certainly like to ever see. We'd like to never see it happen again. But the fact of the matter is it, it does happen. And I, I have no idea what the numbers on that are. But I would tell you, let's be very, very vigilant. Watch care over each other. Wives, husbands, be very wide open with each other. 
You don't want to have a tragedy in your own home. I emphasize I don't know of any such thing going on. But I do know that Satan, he's not particular about who he attacks. He will attack here just like anywhere else. But let's put up a strong guard in our homes. Protect yourselves financially. Protect your decisions. Be careful about what you're watching. Be careful about what you're bringing into your home. Be careful about privacy for your children. I would tell you don't have any such thing as privacy for your children. He wasn't listening to anything. I just remember one day I came home and I had, I had gotten back in the day a CD player for, for my son Austin. He was eighth grade and I got a CD player for him. And, um, he had a bedroom down in the, it was finished, but it was down in our basement. And I went down there and he had a set of headphones on. And I said, take those off. Don't ever wear headphones in this house. Take them off. I want to know everything that you're listening to. Now, I've never known him to have any desire to listen to anything but gospel music. But I don't want to take that chance just to shut the door of not knowing what's going on. Make access to your kid's bedroom. Make sure that you're accessing it. Don't ever let your kid dictate to you that you can't go, that they, you can't go in their room. It's your house. Don't, don't ever, don't ever let that happen. You need to go in your kid's room. If they don't want you in your room, you better be in there five seconds later. Going through every drawer. It's your house. So be vigilant, parents. I, I, I'm thankful to tell you, I don't, I don't know of anything like this going on. I just, when I see the statistics, it, it really, it, it rattled me. I just, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. And it's just, um, our world is so wicked, and it's infiltrating now in ways that, honestly, generations before never had to fight, and now it is just in, literally in our faces at every turn. And we all love the technology in some sense, but it is, it is literally, potentially, a disaster waiting to happen in your home. Protect your children from it. You've got to be very vigilant because they are so good with it. And they could probably, if you're, if you're not really good, your kids could probably know more about it than you do. So be very vigilant, parents. If you can't figure out your kid's thing, take it, take, take it somewhere and have Pastor Joel and one of these guys look at it. But don't just, don't just turn a blind eye to it. You, you, you just don't want this stuff in your house because it, it will just be a domino effect in your child's life that will be just remarkably difficult to turn back. I was afraid I was over time there. That clock's off. Let's stand together, shall we? Heavenly Father, for this invitation, just whatever direction is going on in the hearts and lives of couples tonight, couples, if you want to come down together and and pray together. I don't know if there's a decision you want to make between one another. I have no idea how the Lord touched your heart tonight. And certainly not something I desire to know between you and your wife. But if you need to take care of some business tonight at the altar, think nothing of it. 
None of us are watching. None of us are trying to figure out what's wrong in anybody's house. Just, Father, deal with our hearts tonight. Protect our homes from the evil one who has so much traction in our nation. It's beyond what we could ever imagine. And we ask you to protect our families and our homes, please. May our husbands and wives stay very, very close in these days. When Father, just a crack, crack in the door, and Satan will be in. Protect our children from these evil things that are so accessible, please, O oh Lord. May they quickly learn and obey their parents in regards to what they can look at and what they cannot. May they understand that there's so much danger for their lives in these things and they would trust their parents. Give us peace and love in our homes, Father. Direct our path, protect our children. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have an invitation song.